3: Now I'm ready. Now I'm here. Now I'm queer. Your nose Not is like clear. I wasn't clear. Before, and my nose. You're is clear. here. You're clear. I'm queer. And you're queer. And I'm queer. <laughs> Get used to it. Even though I have a man for a husband. <laughs> um, are we recording? Yep. Okay, sweet.
4: <laughs> We're here. We're clear on in our noses. Yes, we are. We hope you're clear of mind and of body. I guess. Yeah, yeah,
3: get that clonic going because yeah. we need you cleared out for this episode because mm-hmm. I'm worried everyone's going to shit on themselves.
4: From excitement? Ooh!
3: Oh! <laughs> mm. That's the act out of it. That
4: is. <laughs> I, it was beautiful. I know you went to theater school and it was really impressive.
3: I'm a bit of a theater slash literature major. Oh, my God. What? Did my schooling set me up? For, for today. <laughs> oh, that
5: too.
4: It was all for, for this it moment It was all, as for we're wearing, Thank uh,
3: you. Costumes. all for
4: this. It all for this. I'm currently dressed fully as Amarantha. Oh, I'm very scared. Mm. Yes. Jorian's in my finger. Ooh. And on my chest. Um, <clears throat> we have an action packed episode today. This is going to be a lot of stuff. It's going to be a lot to fit into one episode. So I'm basically, we're coming to the point where I may need to break some of these books down into slightly smaller chunks. How do you guys feel about that? Because these books moving forward are filled with so much content and I don't want to rush the end. So we're going to maybe be taking the books a little bit
3: in smaller pieces because it's too much fun to talk about. I know. Well, especially towards the end of the book when there's just so much happening. Oh, my God. Why would you want, I mean, if we went through, you know, every second of horniness through the meadow, shouldn't we go through every second of action-packed violence? I mean, yeah. It's a different kind of satiation. It is a different kind. Is satiation a
4: word? Uh, Yeah. (laughs) I, I think it should be if it's not.
3: <laughs> I'm sated, is you what I'm saying. You are sate, sated for your bloodlust. Yeah. Um, there's a lot that's Where on. Where my worm's at. <laughs> Sorry, I'm
4: getting ahead of ourselves. Well, <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, let us know on, uh, hit us up on any of the social media on the last podcast network, socials, page seven, um, or Jackie and I's personal accounts are the Natty Gene and then Jack, you're Jack that worm and yeah. Jack the worm, depending.
3: No, I'm just jack that worm. Just or jack you can worm. definitely just go outside and scream my name, and I feel like I'll hear it. Jack it! Oh! Make them longer. I'm like, all right, I'll do it.
4: Okay. Um, so we ended last episode with Farah's realization that she may have sent Claire better to a fate worse than death. Oh. But before that happened, we got a little glimpse, I wanted to go back, of the Archeron family dynamic, more specifically Feyre and Nesta. Elaine remains a bit of a mystery at this point. Her father also plays next to no part in these brief scenes um, as is trying to fit back because in with he's weak. people. Yeah, he's kind of a bit of a um, fuddy-duddy, no, a layabout.
3: Yeah, I don't aroused, know. About? aroused about. Roused about. Hmm. No, I think that's too meddlesome for what he does. Yeah,
4: ah, the words escaping me, what I was trying to say. But you know what I'm talking about. Um, So uh, is this intentional in the storytelling? We'll have to see. Maybe there's some reason that he's not being played a big part of. So what we do get is a shocking revelation that not only did cruel, prickly Nesta chase after
3: her sister to try to rescue her, which was a big surprise, but but did, I mean she says that she did, but I think that she was more upset about other things going on in her life at the time. I don't think that had anything to do with Feyre. But we'll circle back to that yeah, in the future. Let's
4: mark that down and circle. Mark back. it. <laughs> but the other thing that we learn is she did not get glamored by Tamlin.
3: Curious. Mm. There is no Aunt Ripley. Nesta reached into her pocket and tossed something onto the churned-up earth. It was a chunk of wood, as if it had been ripped from something. Painted on its smooth surface was a pretty tangle of vines and... Foxglove. Foxglove painted in the wrong shade of blue! My breath hitched. All this time. All
4: these months. Your beast's little trick didn't work on me she said with quiet steel. Apparently an iron will is all it takes to keep a glamour from digging in. So she didn't, she, whatever she is, she's something else. She didn't get the glamours. So is disturbed, of course, by the news of this better family, uh, all the situation that her house burned down. And it's Nesta who picks up the horror and jumps right into action whenever she favor realizes that she may have sent Claire to this horrible fate. Um... Again, it's not because she's being kind to Feyre, but perhaps this is her version of showing care, which is being like kind of a bitch. <laughs> um, which and,
3: you will find out more about later on. Yeah.
4: Oh, won't, oh, won't we? Mm. Um, so as Nesta and Feyre begin discussing her plans, with the family kind of come out of their haze and they start to remember what actually happened that night almost a year ago when Tamlin kicked down their door. Uh, Nesta helps Favor prepare to leave and tells her not to worry about the family um, in a kind of a rude way <laughs> and also not super interested in seeing her sister again. But I do love that she wants to get out of Dodge. She does a um, she basically says, like, I want to see what a girl with money can do in the world. And it's it's like cool. But also
3: she's like, no, they just want money. This is the whole thing. They don't care about you. I, I don't understand why Feyre keeps want. it's the definition of insanity. You, you keep wanting them to care. It's like, no, Nessa doesn't give a shit. All she cares about is getting money and then getting her status back. Well, you know what else the definition of an insanity is? Love. Love. She loves her family. So Elaine tells Feyre. Love is so boring. Bring me the lust. Yeah, but not for your family. Yeah, yuck. Yuck. I love you. I love you as my family, Natalie. I don't lust for you. I love you.
4: So Elaine tells Farah she remembers everything and helps her prepare a horse for her journey. So her farewell is way more tearful at the very least and says she will at least miss Farah, which is nice because Nessa sort of just like, don't worry about us. Just go find and take care of your man. Or heart in, of
3: steel. Her heart of steel. I can honestly say I don't think that there's anyone in our family that I could describe as having a heart of steel. No. So I think that's where our family loves come from. I think it's more of just like a, oh, why did I make you a bowl of ziti? Or uh, No one talks like that in our family. <laughs> <laughs>
4: mm. uh, also, a lot of it is also us going like, I think maybe I upset her.
3: Oh, is she mad? Oh, is he upset? Oh, um, yeah, there's a lot of groaning in our love. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> oh. <laughs>
4: Uh, Anyway, Feyre gathers her meager weaponry and sets out back to the border wall. As it's invisible, it takes her several days to get there, find the wall, find the secret opening, go back through all that process and get back to the manor. She's going back
3: to spring court, even though he told her ass, you go. You don't come back. And there has to be a reason. But Feyre, oh, Lord knows. If she ain't painting, she's going against the grain.
4: (laughs) Um, You know, I love Feyre.
3: You know, I love Feyre.
4: I'm with her on this one, at least, because I think it's bullshit. He sent her off in the first place. I don't think I would have left. No, Um, I think it's bullshit. He did it. And she needs therapy. She, I mean, (laughs) there's a lot of people who need therapy in this land, but they don't have therapy in Prithian. No. So by the time she's arrived, fortunately for her, probably, she's missed a big, terrible fight when she arrives at Spring Court. It is completely destroyed. It's wrecked, it's empty. She despairs. And it's and, and she's unsure of how to proceed, but then she hears a noise. And here again is some fairy tale logic at play because the only person who
3: remains is Farrah's ally. Old Bark face. Old bark and face. I'm not talking woof woof. No, she's I forgot in the first read-through, I didn't realize that her skin was made out of bark. And then in the second read through was like, oh shit, she got bark face. She got bark face. She's a tree lady. Buzz, um, your girlfriend. Friend wolf no she just had bark
4: face no she's beautiful tree woman um but yes this is a fairy tale logic where the only person left is somebody who's her friend um sort of like a predestined fate kind of thing in the scene alice gives us or rather pharah the 411 on what's gone down uh the whole court has been kept with dark magic this whole time. So <gasps> every the whole time that Faye was, was in the spring court, they weren't telling her anything about what they were
3: doing. They just kept saying, the blight, the blight, the blight. And they weren't getting into more detail, which I was surprised that she didn't push for more details earlier. Yeah, well, that is something she
4: needs to get some self-confidence about. Mm. So their masks actually end up being a curse <gasps> set to their faces for 7 times 7 years or until Tamlin can get a mortal with hate in her heart for
3: Faes who love him Oh my god almost a mortal that have has killed a member of the Fae? Oh. So but man she, he said I love you and that bitch didn't <laughs> Did he respond he didn't Her response anything. was like ooh Thank uh, you. check you later <laughs> <laughs> I love, if she had just said I love you back, this is, man, it's the bitch's curse, more like. Well, see, just maybe say it a... if you don't feel it. No, that's a horrible, that's a horrible advice. Don't follow my advice.
4: <laughs> there may be a reason she didn't say it. I don't know.
3: Ooh,
4: um she's so, a bitch. Mm, she, <laughs> I'm sorry. Tamlin was being kind of a bitch in that I scene. Know,
3: I know. And I'm glad that she didn't say I love you to him because he didn't deserve it. He was not doing the right thing. So,
4: basically, those 49 years are coming to a close whenever Tamlin comes to find Feyre. And at the end of that 49 years, if he can't break the curse, he has to go live with Amarantha because she's got the major hots for him. The invading queen, of course, Amarantha is the invading queen uh, who is under the mountain. She uh, really wants Tamlin's butt. In mouth and stuff
3: very interesting that like it's one of the few um books that i've read that like the bad woman also is just like keeping the men as pawns and as slaves sex, sex slaves sexual slaves yes usually Which is very
4: scary it is
3: very scary
4: um her character's terrifying uh, and uh, she does. She's. The I'm not saying. I'm
3: sure there are other many other characters that do this. I, it was just the first book that I've read like this. That
4: you know, it's not that common. I don't think that the um, antagonist is both a woman and somebody who keeps men like sexually.
3: Like a prison, like prisoners. Basically. I mean, it's my fantasy, but <laughs> I usually keep that out of my reality. Yeah, but like in the I fantasy, don't really want it. Yeah, in the fantasy,
4: you're more I like, I want
3: them to want yeah, exactly. to be my sex slave.
4: Yeah, in, in this situation, she's not she's into the not like them not liking it it seems I like. I know
3: and it's yuck. That's yuck. And so you're dressed as a yuck right now I know Natalie. I'm dressed as a yuck. For those of you at home Natalie's dressed as Amarantha and mm. she's dressed as a yuck that keeps a sex slave. My mm. poor brother. Should I <laughs> he ask Henry to blink it. twice just
4: in case? He likes <laughs> Um <laughs> So Amarantha also Feyre learns here that Amarantha is a fairy tied to the King of Highburn. <gasps> when we go back to our little map at the front Of the book, we see that Highburn is an island to the west of Prithian, and the king there had his greedy little eye set on conquering Prithian. Um, Though Amarantha was once considered a general of Highburn's army, Love it, strong bitch. Yeah. Um. Even though she's a she's evil, monster, strong, but, but, but still it's cool. strong. So it's cool that she was given a high rank, right? Um, That's why you
3: don't give the high rank to a woman. See, this is yeah, how we actually, learn these is, things. Yeah.
4: This is a, a, a men's <laughs> rights activist. Point. That's what I'm going to become. <laughs> <laughs> so this conflict that involved her sister Clithia, who was also a part of this army, sent her spiraling into madness. She. Was never shall we see on the right side of history because mm. Highburn, along with Tamlin's father, wanted to be able to keep human slaves, and that was what they were fighting for in the the Great War that happened five hundred years before the story starts. Calithia was a brutal warrior as well, but found that she fell in love with a human general, a man named Poor Jorian
3: or Jorian. Oh Jorian.
4: Jorian, who, according to Alice, was using Clithia for information, ended up murdering her and left the pieces for Amarantha to find. This is what is said to have sent her fully into madness. All of this origin story reminds me a lot of like Greek and Roman mythology, um, which, as we'll talk about, definitely play a very specific part in this world. Massa said that she's been inspired by creatures from all cultures and backgrounds, and there are also like Middle Eastern and Hindu myths woven into Actar. I want to delve into what some of those might be later on. Love it. I'm going to throw
3: somebody up into the sky, turn them into stars. I don't know what you're referencing. I think that that's um, some sort of um, mythology. Oh, you're that, looking like, for make... me at,
4: for confirmation, and I was like, <laughs> I'm gonna, I'm just gonna yes
3: and whatever you're saying. Um, I think is that the hunter in the sky that like they were bad, so they got thrown up into the sky. They got turned into something else. Yeah, we're here giving the information, so. I know about this. I have a things. dance degree. Um, <laughs> it sounds like it would be a, f- a fable or something. Yeah.
4: Anyway, the great, as the Great War was winding down and the treaty was settled, Amarantha was plotting and scheming to seek revenge for her sister as well as get Tamlin into her grasp. Something that's gross that I didn't pick up on the first time I read this was that Amarantha knew Tamlin from when he was a child. When his family would visit Highburn, she was old enough to be a general in the war and he was too young to be in the war. Therefore, she was into him as an adult when he was a child, which is a whole thing.
3: Yeah, but I feel like especially in the fae world.
4: It's gross. It Ew. Is... Ew,
3: Ew, Amarantha, Yuck. Um,
4: but I didn't br- I didn't pick that up the first time I read it. But apparently, she was like a grown ass woman looking at little boy Tamlin and being like, "That's the guy." Um, well,
3: very groomy of her. I think that yes. she definitely wanted to make him into her plaything forever. Yeah um which so, is what essentially what I think Clithia was doing with Jurian but then Jurian turned his back on her first like yes. it was her human play toy and then so he just was like yeah yeah I'm yeah. um, your human play toy I'm not going like to kill you yeah <laughs> yes. Also, exactly. it's Cassiopeia. By the way, I did look it up, and it's a vain queen and some Greek mythology that got cast up into the sky. Ah, and into the constellation. yes. I, then I was obsessed with it. and I needed to know. It was like, did I make it up? No, you didn't. Somebody else made it up yes. though, way back Thank then. Yes.
4: Thank you, Greek mythology. So we learn more about Jurian's fate coming up a little bit later in the story. When the war ended, the five 500 years ago war, Amarantha feigned remorse and she set up this plan for years to claim Prithian for her own, but she didn't let it on at all. So she tricks all seven of the high lords into coming to a ball and then when they're there this is whenever the masks got stuck on their faces she stole It was a a
3: masquerade it was a
4: masquerade um to basically say hey guys i'm really sorry about all of that um she stole she tricked all of the high lords to into she got a chunk of all of their power holding them hostage in that way while tamlin was given this curse of the masks because he wanted she wanted him to like suffer for 49 years and decide whether or not he was going to come be her like love slave or
3: not because he said creative no. punishments though with a female antagonist much more creative right? punishments right we yeah really know how to make you want to be yeah. dead
4: just like how women killers often do a, a slow burn poisoning kind of kill you know oh, take your yes. time so <laughs> we learned that also learned at this point that Lucian's eye was taken from Am- Amarantha as punishment for insolence and. Interestingly, there's there's variations of the original Tamlin folklore that she uh, that Sarah Mass was inspired by, that involve the Queen of the Fairies threatening to blind Tamlin, and I kind of thought that was interesting that maybe she drew inspiration from that, but instead of Tamlin, she just took Loshian's eye instead. Um, Because Amarantha takes on the Queen of the Fairies role and Feyre is like the protagonist human girl Janet from the Tamlin lore. She's big
3: into the eye punishments. I feel like that's, I mean, understandably, it's a good way to go. But do you think that she's getting in there and she's plucking it out herself? You think she's getting her grubby fingers in there? Yeah, I think that um, that's like kind of alluded to in the book that she digs it out. it's hard enough man lately my contacts have been getting lost in my eyes more I think I've got dry eyes and man when those contacts get lost in your eyeball and then you gotta like pull back your eye shade and get up in there gross is my gross you're never gonna win over an entire island of fairies with that attitude oh no I'm not evil enough
4: Mm -mm. this is also again this is a classic fairy tale device to create an overly complex bargain system instead of just forcing Tamlin into her bed and or outright killing him you know he has to like face his own inner psyche providing the opening for the heroines and insert themselves into the narrative so <laughs> and you know, this isn't himself. a
3: horny time Jackie no not yet then we get Feyre I wanted to be horny I know it's clear. I want it to be horny you gotta fucking keep, keep your no, legs together it's nice that there's plot it is <laughs>
4: So then we get Farah in in the picture at the very end of the 49 years, or as the last petals fall from the rose. Uh Uh-oh.
3: Beast. Beast.
0: BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Ophthalmologist Dr. Strauss has seen firsthand how the metaverse is helping surgeons practice the procedures to treat cataracts.
4: Then we get Feyre in the picture at this very end of the 49 years or as the last petals fall from the rose. Oh,
3: I've heard that before. Yeah.
4: Beauty and the Beast, anybody? Um, So Feyre suddenly is like fitting the bill of this... This person who has a heart of ice towards fairies, but then starts to fall in love with Tamlin. But alas, as Tamlin's grown in character, he can't damn her to this life by tricking her into loving him. So he lets her go instead. A noble act. Because this entire time, remember, he can't tell her. Yes. He, uh, nobody in his court can tell her. They're all like glamoured or t- cursed against it or whatever. Yes.
3: It's part of the curse is that they can't talk about it to her. They can't let her know what's going on. Yes. And so it's noble of him but also kind of a cowardly It's cowardly. Act. It is. Uh, oh my god. Cowardly lying much? You remember that? Oh, that's another beast. Oh my God, another beast. Although I didn't want to kiss the cowardly
4: lion. They made him wear an actual lion's pelt in that
3: movie. That's gross. I guess I would choose the wizard because I don't want to fuck the tin man either. And I don't want to fuck the scarecrow. Not enough fuckability.
4: If I had to, I think I'd choose the scarecrow.
3: Yeah? Yeah. With all that hay? Yeah. Scratching up your downstairs? Not the wizard. He's
4: not hot.
3: Nah, man, but you gotta, you gotta take what you can get, man. <laughs> World of Wizard of Oz fucks. I guess you would have the most. You can't go after Judy Garland because she's a
4: child. No,
3: no. Or guess... Toto, if but if Toto was turned into a man, okay. I'd give him a oh, shot. Right. Okay. <laughs> That's a, that's a far stretch. It's a far stretch.
4: I guess the wizard's penis would be the most comfortable. Oh, man. What
3: if it's a corkscrew penis? <laughs>
4: is he's part duck. Yeah. Well, I don't know. It could be. <laughs> Anything's possible in the land of Oz. So, um, anyway, we'll get back to why.
3: Sorry. I'm just trying to stick horniness in there. I know. You know? We're getting
4: in. But Tamlin. We'll talk about why that's like kind of a cowardly thing he's done. When he lets her go, he says, I love you. And she does not say it back. Um, she says, thank you. And then essentially. Cool. Yeah. Essentially sealing the fate of himself and the whole kingdom. Feyre doesn't know any of this, of course. Uh, but also with the access to her thoughts. she We haven't heard her say that she loves him even to herself. At this nah, point. dude. So. Now that she's come back to the spring court after finding her way back, she begs Alice to show her the way to get to Amaranthus Court under the mountain.
3: Because that's where Tamlin's been brought. That's where they all are at this point.
4: Everyone in Prithian, all of the high fae have basically been stuck underneath the mountain with her. So after protesting for a while, Alice agrees to take her to this special cave entrance that acts as a shortcut to the underground palace. Alice doesn't have much hope that Feyre is going to make it out alive. In fact, she seems to fear that Feyre is facing a fate worse than death, which Mm. I got to admit would be a pretty hard sell for me to go on this
3: quest. Remember Claire better? I would have stayed in the human world. It's why I'm not a heroine. I don't know. I'm not even a heroine of my own story. I definitely would just be like, nah, I mean, that sucks. (laughs) I'm sorry, but I'm going to stay here. They just threw me this ball. I hate my daddy. I'll deal with that in other ways. Uh,
4: Yeah, I know. It'd it'd be really tough. I would like to say, I think if Jeff was in there, you would go, oh, my God, I love him. Uh, So, I don't know, man. It's hard, though. It's hard. I would probably go and I just would assume I would die because... You have to go through this dark cave to a bunch of things that can absolutely kill you in like two seconds. But anyway, your love's down there, and no one else is going to do a thing. So I guess you kind of just say "fuck it." Alice gives her a few a few pieces of advice that she will proceed to mostly not follow in, in any way. Anyway, but Alice does stress to listen to everything she hears, not just hear but listen. After a brief journey through the darkness of this cave she comes to a crevasse in the rocks.
3: And when, we're not talking about that crevasse, keep your mind out of the gutter. No not
4: yet. It's the it's the butt of the cave. That's the vagina of the cave. Yeah, yeah,
3: it's a big pussy cave.
4: Yeah, because and so when she comes upon it it's a bit of a secret opening into a hallway that's carved out of the mountain stone and we realize at this point She has not come up with any plan, nah, dude. She's and she's basically found her way to the castle and just enters an open hallway with no hiding spots. It's like the original first-person shooter version of Doom, where you're just like in a hallway, monsters are coming at you. You can't
3: see anything. You don't know what's coming at you.
4: Not a great plan. Um, So she's immediately caught. And who do you think it is? None other than the old stinky adder. Ugh, fucker. Now that Tamlin's glamour isn't masking the adder, she realizes that it looks exactly as she has painted it. Giving us a sense that either Farah has some sort of telepathy or premonition or she has some bigger ordained mission or purpose or something. You know, like what? she's attached to like the fate of the mother. Oh, my God. That's how like I see Like an apple
3: it. cider vinegar. Mm-hmm. Does it creep you out that it's called the mother? I like it more than... Christ. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I definitely like it more than Christ. If we got to be given a choice, <laughs> I, I like, choose the mother and apple cider vinegar.
4: I do like the uh the cauldron. The cauldron's yes, cool. The
3: idea of like the pouring out of humankind, and that is, of course, what they believe in in the books. Yeah,
4: I thought. Um Maybe the Adder, the name came from a mythic creature or something, but it's actually an Anglo-Saxon name meaning Venom,
3: Ooh. which is
4: checks out. It's pretty cool. But you couldn't, like, I guess people have named their sons Adder before, which is, like, I don't know. You're going to name your son after
3: Poison. It's yeah, kind of Venom's cool. kind of fun. Yeah. the Ooh, Adder- Venom Zabrowski. <laughs>
4: Are you going to take it?
3: Yeah, I'm taking it.
4: <laughs> venom. <laughs> um The Adhor drags Feyre to the massive, intimidating throne room under the mountain, and we are thrown at the foot of
3: Amarantha. Though lovely, she wasn't as devastatingly beautiful as I had imagined, wasn't some goddess of darkness and spite. It made her all the more petrifying. Her red-gold hair was neatly braided and woven through her golden crown, the deep color enriching her snow-white skin, which, in turn set off her ruby lips. But while her ebony eyes shone, there was something that sucked at her beauty, some kind of permanent sneer to her features that made her allure seem contrived and cold. To paint her would have driven me to madness. If only she could have painted her. She'd never dare paint me. No. Um, Next, to I will say it doesn't look like you've got some sort of evil that's sucking out your beauty, oh my and, God. yeah, that's Thank like the you. nicest thing I've ever said to a person before, <laughs> not
4: yet. Let's give me another ten years happens. yeah, happen. let's
3: see how it settles <clears throat> into your bed, yes,
4: yeah. so next to Amarantha sits Feyre's love, Tamlin.
3: Can I just say, as we go into this, I understand where Tamlin is coming from with how he goes about his efforts. Mm -hmm. Really unattractive, though. Yeah. Very unattractive, and you're going to find out why, because Tamlin's just standing there, doesn't look at her. I know he, like— can't and like shouldn't and shouldn't mm. show any love for her but he does fucking nothing he yeah. does nothing to help her this entire time and reading it again i got so mad it was just like you don't even you're not even trying i know and i think it's hard to see it from
4: this side now that we know the full storyline i remember the first time i read it i didn't have that reaction right no now i didn't either i'm very mad um that's all i'll say about it but Sorry, yes. that's
3: all we'll say. I ha- I just needed to get it out because I'm rereading it. I was like, do something!
4: No lies detected here, okay? Mm-hmm. Um. So he is. He's basically sitting there passively next to her. And per Amarantha's madness, instead of simply killing Feyre and ending this all, she finds it somewhat amusing. What is this little baby human doing down here? Feyre comes to claim the one she loves, of course. That's why she's here. Well... There seems to be some sort of misunderstanding then going on.
3: There, nailed high on the wall of the enormous cavern, was the mangled corpse of a young woman. Her skin was burned in places, her fingers were bent at odd angles, and garish red lines crisscrossed her naked body. I could hardly hear Amarantha over the roar in my ears. Perhaps I should have listened when
4: she said she’d never seen Tamlin before.
3: Amarantha mused.
4: Or when she Or when she insisted she’d never killed a fairy, never hunted a day in her life. Though her screaming was delightful. I haven’t heard such lovely music in ages.
3: Her next words were directed at me.
4: I should thank you for giving reason, her name instead of yours. Claire better. Here's where we start to understand shit is kind of getting real in the books. When you get to this point, you kind of understand that like the civility lines of this book are getting crossed and it's going to get kind of ugly. Yeah, this dude. is like a torture porn girl.
3: Yeah, dude.
4: In the back of the room.
3: Um and so I do It really like sucks up the wetness of my pussy. Yeah, like it, it really like dries it out.
4: But like isn't it kind of impressive that you become then not dry again after this yeah, I that's a really good not dry good story this. so after we learn of this this horrible thing that's gone that claire better has gone through we also learn of jurian's fate in the scene because she is wearing an eye on her finger and a finger bone as jewelry around her neck and it appears that they are alive so the eyeballs kind of darting around the Tamlin we're seeing in this scene is placid, though almost like not fully present. Feyre doesn't know for sure if he's glamoured or not, but some of the only words he speaks in a casual tone is denying knowing Feyre, which Amarantha does not buy at all. But she's super bored after Claire had to went after Claire went and died on her. So here we're presented with another bargain. One that is almost certainly not going to farewell
3: for Feyre, but
4: she doesn't really have a lot of choice at this point because she just sort of walked into
3: this castle. Um, She maybe should have come up with some sort of plan or something before going through it. Maybe talk to Alice just a little bit more about what was going to happen.
4: This is She did a YOLO and she went in. So now she's like, I guess I'm going to do this bargain with you. Just three itsy bitsy little tasks to prove her dedication to her true love. This is obviously a bad idea, seeing as Amarantha has the upper hand in literally every single Mm -hmm. way. But because of the fairy magic, their bargain is sealed. So she does have to agree to it to some extent. Um, The only other thing that Fair has going for her is that Amarantha is bored and so she
3: doesn't want to kill her right away. And wasn't one of the things that Alice said for her not to do was to not bargain with the fairies? Yeah. Don't bargain with them because they're very clever and they're cleverer than a human. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's out the window.
4: So Fair quick to try to close all the loopholes in this bargain because we know every cautionary tale as the person getting exactly what they wished for. Ha 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 based on sloppy agreements. Mm-hmm. Like sloppy,
3: sloppy. <laughs>
4: like when you say, I want to be rich forever, and then the
3: guy goes
4: Okay, then you're going to be made out of gold!
3: No! That's like a very... I, don't, I was about that's to say, not, say, good, not the but... Medea curse, but that's the Midas touch. <laughs> it's not the Medea
4: curse. <laughs> <laughs> it is the Midas touch and not the brake pad company.
3: No. So I'm a child of television. Yeah, we all are. It's just broken our brains.
4: Um, But if she can solve Amarantha's riddle one...
3: The whole shebang can be over with and everybody gets to go home. Personally, I hated the riddle part. That, like, if she could just answer this riddle, then she'll be able to go. And, like, I like the other, I like the tasks part yeah. better. I I'm,
4: I will say this. I'm First off, I'm not on the big, I don't like the trend of fan bases, like, loving something so much that they rip it to shreds and, like, talk about how stupid it
3: is because they love it so much. No, it's not even stupid. I'm not, like, no. angry towards it. It's more just no, like, I well, don't. we didn't need it.
4: I'm not super into all of that, but I will say the one thing that I... I do think this sort of feels like putting a hat on a hat. Yes. And while it serves a purpose at the end, I don't know if it was like really necessary to have the riddle part on top of it, especially because the riddle isn't particularly diff- like it's, it's not a surprise answer. It's not like a twist. It's kind of what you'd expect it to be. Um we'll get back to that, but that's sort of my my, my men- mindset too on it is is sort of like you didn't really probably have to do that. But anyway, after she agrees to the terms, they Beat the living shit out of her. Yeah, dude. They just really go in, and all these fairies just. I love that there's like no magic
3: used. They just straight up beat the shit out of her. Fight (laughs) club
4: shit. Yeah, so they like punch her in the face over and over. She passes out and awakens in this dirty cell with her body pretty broken. And it's like a graphic,
3: you know, the, the scene. A lingering coppery taste coated my mouth. Blood. Above the wheezing of what had to be my clogged nostrils, the tang of mold and the reek of mildew scented the damp, cold air. Sharp bits of hay jabbed my cheek. My tongue probed the makings of a split lip, and the movement set my face on fire.
4: Then we sort of realize that she's in a sort of dungeon, which is probably like maybe a a torture facility of some sort. Yeah.
3: I examined the slants of light that crept in through the cracks between the door and the wall, then gingerly touched my face. It ached, ached worse than anything I'd ever endured. I bit down on a cry as my fingers grazed my nose, flakes of blood crumbling from my nostrils. It was broken, broken. I would have clenched my teeth had my jaw not been a throbbing mess of agony, too.
4: So... This is kind of silly, but it's not the kind of injuries heroines usually receive, one, because of the brutality, but also because... When girls are often put in the the heroine roles, they don't fuck, they don't mess with their face because it's their beauty is usually their most prominent tribute, and I find that kind of a cop
3: out a lot of the time. I feel like that's such a bit like backhanded compliment. Well, usually their (laughs) beauty is like the number one thing, but with Veyra, it's not her brain, is it? her painting <laughs> it's her painting don't touch her hands noah
4: uh, i meant more that they they take they wear down the character to just being her she's hot
3: right and that that's their only that's her actual, personality traits yes <laughs> yes
4: um and and we don't actually know at this point how pretty fair is because she obviously has like drawn the attention of Tamlin, but it's, we're seeing it from her head and she doesn't see herself as pretty. So we don't really know uh like you know objectively if she is pretty or not. And I think she probably is and I I'm want sure her to be is. hot. So oh, yeah. um and I, I I just like that she's not this virginal, like doe dough, faced like wouldn't she won't get hurt in this, will she? Cause it's like, I don't know, it's brutal. I like it. Um we can tell by her, in and where she is is, like, brutal as well. It's, she's in a torture, I don't know, I keep calling it a facility,
3: which is not correct, but. Um. <laughs> I think it is at least spoken from a woman that's never been tortured before. I think that's nice. Yeah, thank you. The torture facility, the, 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 the owie club. Yeah, the club.
4: Yeah. <laughs> It's the it's the Yauch room.
3: Yes. Um,
4: so she ruminates while she's here on on how Claire must have suffered, and goes in and out of consciousness until Lucien appears in the cell. So uh, Lucien arrives, and basically at this point in the stories, though she likes Lucien, we don't really know yet if he's a friend or foe because he's sort of unwelcoming to her when she first goes to the spring court. Yeah, so. he's
3: kept he kept her at arm's length.
4: Yeah. So she allows him to help her reset her broken nose with magic. Um, During this interaction, he explains to her that Jurian is indeed trapped and alive and always conscious inside Amarantha's jewelry. So he can
3: see everything out of her ring.
4: Yeah. And just like a a form of incessant torture where he's never like asleep for 50 years inside a ring. So that sounds Man, that great. damn
3: magic. That is, that's, it's a very inventive torture. Thank it you, is. Amarantha. It is inventive. Yeah, she
4: does. And Mass does that. Those of you who've read Crescent City, there's a really messed up being alive and conscious torture in it that's just like, God damn, that Ooh. sucks. Yeah. So Lucian doesn't offer her much reassurance and is gone quickly, leaving Feyre to await her first task, barely keeping herself alive with little food and water. At some point in the initial days, she's dragged back to the throne room as Amarantha is bedecked in a gown of rubies. Amarantha explains that she realizes just now that she doesn't know Feyre's name. Um, I think because the, the little human creature is so below her. Also, I think it's because she's jealous.
3: Whoa, that Tamlin wants to f her mm-hmm. and doesn't want to f herself. That's right. So Feyre, at first, she
4: refuses to say anything, um, even though Feyre has this compulsion to tell her. Because in that moment, we learn in, in through her head that like whatever Amarantha's draw is, it 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 makes sense that all the the High Lords got sucked into this trick because she has this weird. Draw from her
3: sensuality A
4: sensuality. Um, but Feyre says, no, I'm not going to tell you. Um, At this
3: point, you already got got. I know. I, I think it's you can't get Claire bettered. you already got you already got got. She's worried about her family who hates her. Um, <laughs> oh, with the family loyalty. I'm so annoyed by the family loyalty. So she won't. She's not going to give
4: it up. So amar amarantha calls forth reasoned, high Lord of the Night Court, as we now know. But he doesn't give Feyre away, even though Reese knows who she is and could look into her head. He claims he can't tell the difference between humans because he thought he kind of gave over Claire and said, yes, this was the girl I saw.
3: Knowing that it wasn't Feyre.
4: And Feyre knows this is a lie, but he doesn't give it up. Um, she assumes it's some form of 12D G- chess he's playing or something. But so Feyre won't speak. And then Amarantha drags forth Lucian knowing that they are somewhat friendly. No, not our sexy redhead. I know, zaddy. Um, And threatens to harm him. Here we meet Lucian's other brothers, who are all a bunch of bastards. I bet they're hot. In my head they're still hot, hot, but
3: they're bastards and we don't like them.
4: Well, the one brother who plays a bigger part in later books is described as very sexy and believe yeah, me there is a lot are. of fan art out oh, there
3: I bet. I bet he's really like um, he's very
4: sexy up in the old Nago I tell you what <laughs> Tony Viento is a really good on um, Patreon if you want to go check out some of that okay. some of that art um, so they're enjoying the torment of their little brother, to say the least, or at least too cowardly to show concern for him. So they're sort of laughing at him as he's being dragged to the front. And Amarantha basically tells Reason to begin to melt Lucian's brain if Pharaoh won't speak. And then finally Pharaoh goes, my name's because she doesn't want Lucian to be brain melted. And interestingly, Amarantha says it's from her name is from an old dialect. I'm not sure if this will connect to any meeting later on, but I found it like curious that she said Feyre is from an old dialect. So I don't know for the other mass readers if you connect that to anything. Um, Finally, Fayra is also presented with her riddle.
3: There are those who seek me a lifetime, but never we meet. And those I kiss, but who trample me beneath ungrateful feet. At times I seem to favor the clever and the fair, but I bless all those who are brave enough to dare. By large, my ministrations are soft-handed and sweet, but scorned I become a difficult beast to defeat. For though each of my strikes lands a powerful blow, when I kill, I do it slow. It's
4: not that this is a bad riddle, it's just more that the answer is predictable to me. Um, but also, I, I don't know that she was ever trying. I don't think Mass was like trying to create this big twist with it, which is
3: another reason. I don't think it really is that
4: necessary. I guess that
3: I thought that it was going to be like a lifeline used at some point, And we'll get to it. Yeah. Um, it's funny you said lifeline because I was talking. You all the here. week is like, goodbye.
4: I, I did put in a Regis Philbin joke. In oh, the
3: script. Um,
4: joy, my
3: wife. <laughs> Is that what he sounds? Remember, I think you always was talk like, about Joy a lot. Joy, my wife, Joy. Yeah, that's yeah, a little bit more bulleted. Um, I don't know. <laughs> that is. A very I think both guys. No, R.I.P., joke. we? both really sounded like Regis Philbin, but he's not in the studio. I know that we may pulled the wool over your eyes for a moment, but I wish he was in this book, though. Kathy <laughs> Lee uh, and Marantha, what are you doing <laughs> over here? Um, so, wow, we are <laughs> good at this.
4: <laughs> so regardless of how the, the riddle goes, Feyre not sure of the answer. And, and in her defense, I, I will say that if I was in a cave room filled with hostile fairies and starving and beaten up, I probably wouldn't be able to just pull the answer out of my ass. Yeah. Also, I think the hardest part of one of these kind of things is like you get it wrong, then everything's fucked.
3: And also she can't even like in my brain, I'm more of a visual So if I had seen it written down, maybe that would help, but that that certainly wouldn't help her. Yeah, she should have asked if Amarantha could
4: draw it out, like draw pictures of it. Yeah, pictures
3: of (laughs) it. And then I wrote,
4: "You don't even get to phone a friend or anything." So then we get the Regis Philbin. Wow, wants to be a millionaire.
3: (sighs) Both of us are are fingers on the pulse of pop culture. My grandma's favorite show.
0: As a professional welder, Shayna Ford uses Forge FX to practice over and over, which helps her improve her skills.
2: The more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is.
0: Learn more at meta.com/metaverseimpact. Did you know Bridgestone developed a tire using 75% recycled and renewable materials? Making a difference today for future generations. That's what really matters. Bridgestone: solutions for your journey.
2: And if you love the fillet of fish, right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price.
1: Ba 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 ba.
4: So, the full moon rises and this is where her tasks are going to take place every full moon. So the first one comes up to pl- uh, the first one comes to be she's dragged to a new room in the underground castle, which is a cavernous space with a section containing what looks like a maze carved from mud. So the first thing that comes to my mind is the, the, the Daedalus and the Minotaur myth, which is Daedalus is a mythical ar- architect who created the labyrinth containing the Minotaur creature for King Minos, son of Zeus. Um, See, the first thing that comes to my mind is, I'm going to get dirty
3: in there. Yeah, it's going to be slippery.
4: Um, But yes, it does remind me of the minotaur and the the labyrinth thing. We now use the word maze and labyrinth pretty synonymously, but actually a labyrinth represents a one-track maze, like the kind you see in those meditation circles where you follow it and it's just the one pathway that's like squiggly. Mazes contain pathways and dead ends like many mm. paths but we kind of just use them synonymously now so while this is more of a maze than a labyrinth i think we can surmise that mass got some inspo from the minotaur um i loved oh my god her imagery here too i was listening to this song i listened to um a lot of score music scores uh from movies when i'm writing which i found out mass does too and i was like yay we're the same sarah be our friend Um, I'm just putting that out there again if you want to come. Oh, we're going to
3: desperately Um, plead for Sarah to be our friend forever.
4: Yeah. Well, I was listening to the beat field from the movie Fury while this was playing. I was reading this little excerpt and it was just like fucking all money. I want to see it so badly. Mm -hmm.
3: I was hauled toward a wooden platform erected above the crowd. Atop it sat Amarantha and Tamlin. And before it, I rose on trembling legs. Around the platform stood a group of six males, secluded from the main crowd. From their cold, beautiful faces, from that echo of power still about them, I knew they were the other high lords of Prithian. I ignored Rhesand as soon as I noticed his feline smile, the corona of darkness around him.
4: Ugh, that crane shot of just, like, swooping over the platform with all the High Lords flanking Amarantha and Tamlin. oh I got chills. I want to see it so bad. Before them— Well,
3: we're going to be seeing it on Hulu soon!
4: Let me direct! Um, before them, all is, like, the, the big roaring crowd of all the other Fae, and then this maze-slash-labyrinth. But we're still not sure what we're here for. Feyre is shoved forward and picked up by that fucking— Adder again who flies her over into the foot of the maze and kind of drops her down into the mud and the whole thing is made of big slippery mud right that part can I
3: just take a shower first and then (laughs) I'm sure they'll give her a shower afterwards you'd be the most
4: worried about being dirty in this moment I hate being dirty I'd be a lot more pissing myself with fear about whatever is about to happen I wouldn't have even
3: made it this far that's why like I can't (laughs) even think about it like I'd already be dead I've already given up like I'm just I'm good you win well I would be very
4: scared personally Lucian has earlier alluded to Amaranth and not knowing that Pharaoh was a huntress so this isn't looking like just a fun solve the maze like it's a highlights magazine Mm -mm. kind of thing that'd be fun though if she just really liked puzzles oh Um, that would be
3: cute or she just gave her a
4: jigsaw puzzle and was like this is puppies in a basket oh that would be cool um but no that's not what's happening um So she gets dropped down, and this scene is awesome. Reason tells me you're a
3: huntress, she said, and my heartbeat faltered. He must have read my thoughts again, or maybe he'd found my family, and... Amarantha flicked her fingers in my direction. Hunt this. The fairies cheered, and I saw gold flash between spindly, multi-hued palms, betting on my life on how long I would last once this started. I raised my eyes to Tamlin. His emerald gaze was frozen, and I memorized the lines of his face, the shape of his mask, the shade of his hair one last time. Release it, Amarantha called. I trembled to the marrow of my bones as a great groaned, and then a slithering, swift-moving noise filled the chamber. Amarantha clicked her tongue, and I whipped my head to her. Her brows rose. Run, she whispered. Are you here, remaining rude dooners? Do you hear this? Here's your damned worm. You finally get your worm. It's not a spice worm. It's not like the other worms.
4: That's right, because Feyre is hunting a giant worm-like creature whose front end is a giant mouth filled with ring after ring of razor teeth.
3: Ah! I'm busy, I'm sick, I can't, I can't do it. Can we do this tomorrow? Also,
4: it's not—it's kind of a mockery that she's not hunting this worm. This worm is definitely just going to eat her. Mm-hmm. Um, this whole scene is incredibly exciting, and I would never be able to do it justice just talking about it in this in this format. But of note, it takes Feyre through another paradigm shift because she kind of goes from this scrappy, strong-willed girl to this formidable adversary. Um, so we watch her just become this. Um, She's the heroine. She is now the heroine of the story. As Feyre falls into a pit of bones inside of this labyrinth, she begins to devise a way to escape. She assesses how to use the bones as sort of a ladder in the mud. But I do appreciate that
3: she does have struggles. It's not like she gets in there and all of a sudden she's like, I know exactly oh, what totally. I'm going to do. And I appreciate the fact that like like before when she got the shit beaten out of her, I like that Moss isn't afraid to put her in like actually genuinely get hurt.
4: Yeah. And put her in like actual danger. Yeah. Because as somebody who's worked in stunts for so many years, I... I hate fight scenes that are clean. Like, I think it's so boring if it's just somebody who's the heroine or the hero. is just going like, uh-uh, and they're just doing like fight a fight sequence where they're perfectly matched with the yes. person and they're doing parkour and they're sliding around like it has a place and time. But like, I, I also enjoy her fights or her action sequences that they're sloppy and like she gets really fucking hurt and she messes up a bunch. And like that, I think also that's much more exciting. Um and so she is she's try, she's starting to find her way out of this labyrinth and notable in the is as Feyre is fighting for her life. She gets assistance from Lucian, who screams out to her left when she can't see where the worm went, perhaps solidifying his camaraderie with her. Then her plan gets fully formed. She decides she's going to cover herself in mud, and we hear from Rhysand. This is also another scene that I was listening to, like, um, score from Pirates of the Caribbean, and I was like, oh, my God. So the scene is, what's it
3: doing? The green-faced fairy whined again. A deep, elegant voice replied this time. She's building a trap, reasoned.
4: But the Midden Guard
3: relies on its scent to see. Reasoned answered, and I gave a special glower for him as I glanced at the rim of the trench and found him smiling at me.
4: And Pharaoh just became invisible.
3: His violet eyes twinkled. I made an obscene gesture before I broke into a run, heading straight for the worm.
4: She su- successfully creates a floor of jagged bones for the guard worm to land upon.
5: Ugh!
4: And as she leads it to its death, she jumps and the worm squelches, crunch, onto the bones, becoming impaled and dying.
3: But she's also covered in shit. Ooh, <laughs> that's the that again. She has
4: she, her <laughs> arm is speared with a bone shard, and you're yeah.
3: like, oh, she's muddy. No, the first time <laughs> Jeff ever took me camping, uh, I was trying to be like, we just started dating, and I was trying to be so like, yeah, I'm so into this. This is so I, my thing. I love camping. And then the second day, I looked at him, and he was just like, why are you so upset? And I looked down at my hands, and I went my hands are dirty <laughs> and i burst into tears i just uh, love <laughs> and he was just like oh my god he's like camping isn't my thing either i thought that you were really enjoying this <laughs> uh, i just like
4: the i like the image of you being like yeah i'm a real dirt girl i love <laughs> climbing and I, i'm uh, dirty of mind only
3: <laughs> <laughs> i got the uh, boots and the um the straps that you want. But don't get my hands dirty. <laughs> and also, I need to make sure I have my lotions so I'm always soft. And like, but like he's gonna appreciate that more than you like in camping that you're a soft. He soft was very woman. relieved that I didn't love camping as much as I was lying about liking camping. See, there you go. That's a good See? rule for you. Just don't lie don't about it, it. That's why I'm glad she didn't lie about loving him. She wasn't in love with him. She wasn't in love with
4: him. Whoa, okay. We're getting some hot takes mm, here. Yeah. So in her,
3: oh, sorry, we're going to get into this later on, I'm sure. But I'm getting all fired up about this now because he just expected like, yeah, yeah, I kissed her real good and she got all flavor for me. (laughs) And then you just expect her to fall in love with you like, bam, you're in love with me. I know that he was on a timeline, but still, I mean, he's used to women probably falling at his feet. I mean, in my brain, I get it.
4: Right. Yes, Um, I got. He was presumptuous to say the least. Sorry, Um, we
3: get back to the worms. We'll get back
4: to that. We'll get back to the dirty,
3: dirty shit she's got all over her body, and
4: she has a huge wound. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. (laughs) So whenever she did the jump, (laughs) whenever she did the jump, one of those bone spears that she made is basically like, like completely impales her forearm, but she. She's like so filled with adrenaline and and the triumph, she doesn't even notice it. We get this awesome scene of Pharaoh running and throwing a bone spear at Amarantha's feet. And ooh, Amarantha's so pissed. Mm -hmm. But she has to act like she's unbothered, as though she was simply, oh, I was just giving you, of course anybody could do that. That was an easy task. For those terminally online, she's the Wojak wearing the mask where she's like, furious behind it oh she's, yes she's the wint tr- tweet that's please don't put in the newspaper that i got mad that's all amarantha right now mm-hmm. fayra is the biggest thickest chad we've ever seen And amaranthas seethe she informs fayra that all the fairies were betting on her battle and only one Faye bet on her to win it's implied there that the fairy is, in fact, reasoned.
3: Interesting. What
4: is his deal? I don't know. What game is he playing? Hmm, I don't know. As her adrenaline wears off, she realizes that she is very much injured in a way that most of us would probably, like, just pass out if you just saw a giant bones sticking out of it And your... I
3: got poop on my face. And she has poop on her
0: face.
4: She has poop on her face. <laughs> We then get a glimpse of her next few days, which are really hard to imagine. Um, no one has come to help her with her arm, which remains stabbed with a bone through it. I think that's the right move. Where are my nurses and doctors at? It's not the way, what you should do.
3: No, she's in the owl zone and no one is coming to help her.
4: But, like, if that's the case in, in our world, if you have things stuck through your arm and no medical attention, if you're, like, trapped in a snowstorm— are you supposed to keep it in the arm? Yes. Like it would be bad probably to, to take it move out. It.
3: Yeah, I've watched a couple of episodes of Doomsday Preppers, so I know all oh, okay. about these things. Never mind. Yeah, I, don't I use you're supposed any to keep it nurses it. or doctors. I'm the doctor. Doctor Jackie says Dr. leave it Jackie. in.
4: Okay. There you go. Everybody, leave it in. Um, so how many days also could you last like that?
3: Not many. I think that we've made this very clear. I'm I'm also of the person. Anytime I see a post-apocalyptic anything, I'm like, I'm out first. Everyone says like, oh, but you have you know the ability of making people laugh. It's what we need in a post-apocalyptic future. Do you? Am I like I'm <laughs> supplying the yucks? That's all I've got for when the world goes under i mean in a lot of like
4: medieval era like old olden days that is how some people were <laughs> a not bit of the killed yeah. it's how they kept themselves alive i think that you would be important jackie
5: um Thank you. you're
4: welcome so I don't know how many days you can last this way, but in the days following her trial, she's already starting to die, which would make sense. She's vomiting. She's unable to eat. Just the idea of having to sit there with that bone in your arm in that cell, just like, oh, it sucks so bad. She's starting to get a fever. And she's still covered in shit. And she's still covered (laughs) in poop. And then suddenly Reasoned is there. Feyre has no idea if he's a friend or foe, or neither. Mm. His actions thus far have been confusing at best, manipulative at worst. Whoa. He confirms that he is in fact the one fairy who had made money on her successfully defeating the Midgard worm. Understandably, she doesn't want to show him her arm when he offers to help.
3: Let me see it. A growl ripped from him. Without waiting for my reaction, He grabbed my elbow and forced my arm into the dim light of the cell. Reason examined the wound, a smile appearing on his sensuous lips. Oh, that is wonderfully gruesome. I swore at him, and he chuckled.
4: Such words from a lady.
3: Get out, I wheezed. My frail voice was as terrifying as the wound. Don't you want me to heal your arm? His fingers tightened around my elbow. At what cost? I shot back, but kept my head against the stone, needing its damp strength. And yet
4: again, Farah is faced with a bargain. Girl, you are going to have some creditors up your ass, because she's I've been a there. lot of been there. I
3: mean, she's only 19. Your credit's no good when you're 19, usually. True.
4: Although, I think actually at this point she's become 20.
3: Oh, but she's not a big birthday gal, I guess. Not yet. Whoa. Is that a spoiler? Not really. Not really. Not at all. Bitches love a birthday. Yeah. So
4: basically, Reason says he will fix her arm, effectively saving her life if she agrees to spend two weeks a month at the night court with him. I don't know, lady, from what we know so far, this seems like you're sort of jumping out of the pot into the frying pan. But she's
3: straight up dying. Yeah, it's a problem. It's not. It's not, like, ideal. But Alice told her not to make bargains with fairies, and then she's made the big bargain. What's another bargain? Slap another one you on there. You know what? You're right. According to, what, however, what Feyre
4: has heard, Amarantha's whole vibe was based off the night court, and Tamlin says they delight in torture, and he did leave the severed head in the fountain, so mm. it's like, I don't know if you want to go there for half a month every month. Those but, are
3: bad appetizers, you yeah. know, to a uh, to a decision.
4: yeah. But like you said, she's about to die. So as she's like, contemplating this, she's deciding, wh- well, what, why didn't he give her away to Amarantha? Who is – what is he – what is his deal, man?
3: Yeah, man. What's up with this violet-eyed man that also bet on her mm-hmm. to win? Mm-hmm. You know what? It doesn't matter. No, no, a thousand
4: times no, she will not do this bargain. Reason begins to taunt her, and she spits in his face, which is a classic power move. Mm-hmm.
3: Especially when you're covered in dukes.
4: <laughs> she, He launches forward, and he twists her arm with a level of cruelty. It's hard to imagine he's actually here to help because he he makes her scream out in pain. Still, she refuses. Reason says, fine, it's your funeral, baby. And he's just about to sort of fade away into the dark, and she says, Wait. She comes to the realization he may be the only way she will not die that night. Mm. She decides the cost of her freedom, the loss of it, is worth the chance to save Tamlin and his court. But even in her feverish haze, she's negotiating with him five days, 10 days, a week deal.
3: So one week a month. One she's a month. owned by
4: reason. hmm. Fayer tastes the magic again and she passes out. When she awakens, her fever is gone, her arm is healed, and she has a brand new tattoo, one that covers the entirety of her forearm and hand.
3: People pay good money for tattoos like this. Right? Because in free. my brain it was really sex it's a sexy tattoo. Yes. It's uh it's described as such. I rubbed my left forearm and hand, the entirety of which was now covered in swirls and whorls of black ink. Even my fingers weren't spared, and a large eye was tattooed in the center of my palm. It was feline, and its slitted pupil stared right back at me.
4: You know, she's not expecting the tattoo, so what have you done to me? It's customary in my court for bargains to be permanently marked upon the flesh.
3: That's sexy.
4: Feyre is horrified, but she's healed. She doesn't have a fever anymore. She's her arms all closed up, but now she's got this swirly, really tattoo. And she's got two more tasks. Two more goddamn tasks. Her indenture tenure continues, and she has these other in between tasks that are definitely part of like folklore to- tropes. Here she's required to clean an uncleanable floor, which you know, with muddy water out of a, like, basically a floor that's supposed to be cleaned with dirty water, which is an impossibility. She becomes hopeless, but then a lovely woman with red hair and r- russet eyes appears. It's Lucian's mother. <gasps> because of her noble deed in saving Lucian's life and revealing her name to Amarantha, she is rewarded by the lady of the Autumn Court with clear water for her to clean with. And then the lady
3: says her debt is paid, which. I'm glad Feyre got the water, but— Of all of the th- ways that she could have repaid her debt, she couldn't have done something that was a little bit bigger? Right. Her son is a, just a bucket of water to her that's, like, the equivalent. I don't think those
4: are even, but whatever. I'm glad that she got the water. The following task that she gets put through is directly from the folklore that the Brothers Grimm collected and published, specifically a little tale called Ashenputtel. A.K.A. Cinderella. Have you heard it? So basically the little quote that Mass has pulled from Cinderella, how can you go to a wedding when you're covered with dust and dirt? How can you want to go to a ball when you have neither a dress nor shoes? Here, I've dumped a bowl full of lentils into the ashes. If you can pick out the lentils in the next two hours then you may go. So that is from directly from Cinderella folklore. This is also what Feyre is tasked with there is a bunch of lentils spilled in the fireplace. Um the the mud the mopping mud scene might be from folklore too. It sounds so familiar, but I couldn't find it on my initial search. But anyway, we have here poor farella shoved into a massive dark, dare I say sexy bedroom.
3: Where's the fat mouse? <laughs> I don't know. Gus gus, right? Gus. Just one gus. I thought Not it was. Not double gus. the gus, double your pleasure. Oh yeah, gus gus. You're right.
4: Thank you. Isn't it Gus Gus? I haven't watched Cinderella a long time. It was never one of my favorites, to be honest.
3: Because um, you weren't into Prince Charming. He wasn't no, my was type. Boring. Yeah, he wasn't. I wasn't into him as well. It was all about which prince I wanted to kiss. Prince Eric being number one.
4: See, to me, it was like I wanted the adventure part, So, Sleeping Beauty was my favorite. I loved the dragon, the scary stuff with Maleficent, and like I thought it was cool. She got to live in the forest. I think the prince part was like the least interesting part to me. So,
3: you didn't like things based on the bangability of the people or characters that are a part of it. I think even I as understand. a little girl,
4: I liked goth, like dark, like broody guys, and all the princes were like, "Hi, yes, oh, no. yes, no, was he was not. little." into it i get it um my loins have no boundary (laughs) they like all kinds of different oh yeah different uh weird
3: fuck oh yeah man
4: um so she's now in this dark sexy bedroom where she's trying to get these damn lentils out of the fireplace for two hours she labors and barely makes any progress and then cocky jaunty reasoned appears before her lounging on that bed covered in black silk here the relationship kind of takes a turn. Fayer seems to subconsciously become less fearful of him. They almost not quite, but almost take on a tone of frenemies here. Reason is playful, flirtatious, but he's not terrorizing her. In fact, he has no idea why she's in the bedroom cleaning up lentils. He's sort of like why why are you cleaning up lentils in my fireplace?
3: I mean Amarantha of all of like you're doing these other crazy tasks of torture. These are like wet blanket at this point you know like it's like oh she's been put into so many very scary situations and then you're like oh you want me to pick up the lentils all right it's gonna take me a while but I'll fucking get it done I guess yeah and she basically challenges him
4: when he asks her that saying maybe she's testing you buddy
2: Whoa. and then
4: he's like what are you talking about and he's then she says you lied you lied to her I know you did you remember me and you said that you didn't while being evasive reason reveals a different part of himself his wings uh, uh,
5: uh, uh,
3: uh. is there something viscerally phallic about this i don't know i i had no idea i had a thing for wings until reading this these books and um i'm sad with myself you're sad that you're
4: attracted to wings
3: yeah well i
4: mean you're not going to like go to a bat enclosure at the zoo and like get horny no
3: and i like i didn't even ask like my husband did ask like do you want me to wear wings for you and i was like no i don't want you wearing wings (laughs) i just like the idea of the wings yeah because they're very strong like very powerful indeed it was still reason's face his powerful male body but flaring out behind him were massive black membranous wings like a bat's like the adders. He tucked them in neatly behind him, but the single claw at the apex of each peeked over his broad shoulders. Horrific, stunning, the face of a thousand nightmares and dreams. That again useless part of me stirred at the sight, the way the candlelight shone through the wings, illuminating the veins, the way it bounced off his talons." Lord. I love that again useless part of me, which is like I feel like so much of me is made up of that useless part of <laughs> what Vera deems the useless part of her. You're of course, not, in the tasks it is you, there's no need for horniness in the tasks. sure, sure, sure I get sure. it. Yeah, no you're you're not just
4: stirred, you're shaking, baby. Um, yeah. But I, I. This is sort and of, I help. <laughs> they don't. She doesn't directly say that this is sexuality that she's feeling, but it is sort of alluding to. She's sexually aroused by reason. But she ain't got
3: his... time for that right now. No, she's got lentils to get out of a fireplace, and she's already got a man.
4: Yeah. So that's interesting. Yeah.
3: Um, at the end... everybody knows that everybody knows that when you've got one man, you can't be attracted to another one. No, everybody knows can.
4: that. Never. At the end of this sort of intimate interaction, they have reason goes and and does a few other things for her. For one, he separates the lentils from the ashes for her. Thank you, thank you, reason, Thanks and then. And then he instructs the guards to never touch her again lest they gut themselves. <gasps> so this is like very big kind acts of him and of course in his arrogant way says, you're welcome, even though she didn't say thank you as she exits the space. Moving forward, Favor also finds she's provided two hot meals a day in her cell. Just when she thinks there aren't going to be any more surprises, he's taking care
3: of her. Mm, Interesting. I love being taken care of. No, we're strong. We don't need to be taken care of. You would also like it
4: because in that scene, I didn't write it down, but he also cleans her off. So she took the poop off. I love to be clean took the poop off. Yeah, Jackie. man, she's not
3: covered in poops no more.
4: Um <laughs> so just when there aren't going she thinks there aren't going to be any more surprises, two female fairies shrouded in shadow appear in her cell and beckon for her. She again doesn't really have any choice, so she follows them and they somehow vanish straight through the door with
3: her. My knees buckled at the sensation, like spiders crawling down my spine, my arms as we walk through the dark shrieking dungeons.
4: This is the first body reaction to magic she's had, so I just thought that was notable that it to her it felt like going through the um, door felt like spiders crawling down her spine. No, thank you. I want to. Let me do it. Let me do it. The shadow ladies take her to a long forgotten room and um, they bathe her. I so. love to be clean. They Then they begin to paint her nude body with markings that look similar to her tattoo. She's assuming that these women are from the night court, but unsure as they're not speaking to her. Talk about awkward. (laughs) Ma'am, thank you for the bath and everything, but who the heck are you? Nah,
3: who needs to know names and pleasantries? Just strip me nude, scrub me clean, and be on your way. Yeah. Yeah. No, I'd be very uncomfortable the entire time. I'd be like, "So, what's your favorite movie? Do you, um, oh, that's my butt. Okay, have Hi. you ever watched? Do you remember the show Under the Umbrella Tree? No, oh, that was a long time ago. I guess. Uh, um, well,
4: it didn't work because they wouldn't talk to her. And then, so basically, they they put all these swirls on her, and then her upper half is like adorned in like lipstick and and gold dust and, and coal lining her eyes, and she's got a little diadem crown. She's sexed up. On the top, like very regal on the top but from the neck down, is a heathen god's plaything, as Mass says. And she's got all of the swirls and whirls that are on her tattoo sort of match. Now she's covered in her whole body. And then on top of that, they do... She gets a little dress like thing, two long shafts, shafts of gossamer and just big enough to cover her boobs then it, they are secured with brooches and then around her hip with the jeweled belt and then she has a long strip that runs down to her feet and it just basically covers her her particulars
3: mm, her, um, yeah the all the slices in her body
4: yeah it's sort of very, it's reminiscent of the slave Leia get up from Star Wars to me, that's what I think of. I don't know if
3: that's in your mind, but I know that Mass. Um, had I didn't get past, that. If that didn't happen in the first Star Wars, then I don't know it. Yeah, I'm not really a Star Wars person no. either, but
4: um, that's what I came to my mind. So she's sort of dressed like
3: a sexy, like servant lady. Yes, suddenly appearing. But and- do you think that the swirls were to cover up her bargain? Yes, I think probably it was to mask it yes, um but because that really gives things away when you got a big old tattoo being like, uh, I didn't make a bargain uh with anybody in a night court. uh, but I think he, that reasoned reveals it pretty
4: soon after this to everybody. Mm. I think um, but uh suddenly as he does, reasoned is in the room smirking and taking credit for this turn of events. Something about reason pulls her from despair, turning it into rage. She snaps at him and he reveals that he's bringing her to a party that will be taking place tonight. Her pain is to mark who's touched her because, as reason says, he doesn't like his belongings tampered with.
3: Fayra has no choice, but— I know you shouldn't think it's hot, but it (laughs) is—I think this is my problem. This is where uh, my horniness comes in, and I'm like, Jackie, we probably shouldn't be horny right now, but there's something about it that makes me get juiced up, man. I mean— It's the wings! Can we blame it on the wings? Well, also, this is
4: not an uncommon theme in— documentaries that I've seen before.
3: Oh, I've seen a couple of documentaries yeah. that may have shown something similar to this. Right. So Late night, nighttime documentaries, if you will.
4: I don't think you're alone in thinking that that is sexy. Yes. Um, Thank you. Th- so Feyre has no choice but to walk with him into this massive throne room in her sheer draped fabric and bare feet and parade in front of the court with reason. This is the first that... Most of the room will hear of Reason's bargain with Feyre. So there is sort of some discussion of that. Um, we learn here also that we've arrived to another midsummer. This means that Feyre has been enmeshed in the Fey world near a year and a half, meaning that she's also had a birthday and is 20. Now she's
3: 20. Merry midsummer, Reason said, bowing to Amarantha. She wore a rich gown of lavender and orchid purple, surprisingly modest. I was a savage before her cultivated beauty.
4: What have you done with my captive?
3: She said, but her smile didn't reach her eyes. I—that's like my
4: dress I'm wearing. See?
3: Yes, you're just like her. You're just the epitome of evil.
4: Thank you. So this is unfortunately quite a different midsummer celebration from last year's fiddling extravaganza, if you recall. When she was eager to drink the wine last summer, this time when and offers Feyre a drink, she remembers Alice's warning to stay away from the drinks. I am a little surprised but-
3: that Amarantha's not more pissed off that he's, like, even using her as a plaything. Even the fact that he's, like, zhuzhed her up, I feel like if I had a sex slave, I'd be like, sex slave, you can't have your own sex slave. <laughs> That's like a dog having a dog like in Dharma and Greg when the dog had, her, had his own dog. <laughs> it's just like Dharma and Greg. This <laughs> timely sitcom. Everyone from, is always um, talking about Dharma and Greg. <laughs> um.
4: <laughs> but yes, that I agree. Except I will say that she's constantly trying to torment Tamlin as well as reasons. So. Yeah, so she's
3: into that part, and, and it's of also it.
4: humiliation to Feyre. So I yeah. feel like that's maybe why. Yeah, but she's not. Hap- she's pissed. Oh yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. But then she sort of allows it to go on because it's like an embarrassment. But then again, another thing that she immediately just can't
3: follow Alice's advice like the second she told her her not to drink any of the booze but but I understand a man you get me around and a popped open bottle of bub Mm -hmm. yeah and I'll get keep my lips away from it just as I dare you to try Uh, uh, that's me my lips yearning for the bottle of bub
4: oh yeah that's good let's have some drinks why aren't we
3: hammered right now it's the morning oh it is early um,
4: <laughs> Whatever was in the wine here marks basically her blacked out. So whenever she awakens in her cell, she doesn't have much memory of the night. That is until Lucian appears, managing to steal her away or managing to steal away and visit her. So she doesn't know what goes on after the wine goes down her gullet. He lets her know, however, that she was mostly primarily dancing on Reasoned. And let me tell you, I've had a few nights in my past where I had to be reminded that I was dancing all night on somebody, but definitely was never reason.
3: Yeah, no, and usually it was more crying to somebody. When I would black out, I would just cry. I wasn't sensually dancing on anyone. Yeah. But, you know, different strokes. Yeah. A lot of that was... the. There was a lot of dancing going on in my past,
4: <laughs> but they were not. They were not from reason. Um, so Lucian has the gall to ask her why she decided to do the bond with reason. And I'm sorry, Lucian.
0: Where were you? Where
4: were you? You
0: could have held her die.
4: arm. She's going to die, Lucian. Come on. You're being crazy. Lucian insists he would have gotten there to save her, but. She reminds him that he hesitated on saving her from the Naga. So, yeah, but that
3: was before the times. But, I also, but also, as if I was dying, Yeah. any port in a storm, man, especially when that port's got those big old wings on
4: it. <laughs> he explains <laughs> that he couldn't come because he was punished for helping her during the trial. He was whipped over and over again for screaming out the direction to her while she was fighting the mingard worm. So, I mean, sure, I, I get it, Lucian, but, like, she's going to die if she doesn't do it. Yeah, bro. So they have this sort of come to terms with their friendship here, both understanding that they are on the same team, Lucian also reveals here that Tamlin isn't actually under any magical spell. He's simply not reacting so as not to give Amaranth an
3: upper hand with what hurts him the most. So that whole thing, he's not glamoured, it's not because of magic, he's just standing there not doing anything watching her. I know, you claim... What was he supposed to do, Jackie? Do fucking something. I know. i love you. You love me? You say you love me? Jeff, there's no way Jeff would stand by. He'd rather be dead than stand by and watch something like that happen to me. I agree. And that's love. And that's love. Dying for the others and not your family that has disowned you.
4: <laughs> so... This routine continues on. This bathing, painting, dressing in strips of fabric becomes basically every night for her. Each night she would down the wine and she loses herself in the evening. And each morning she wakes up sick and exhausted. Basically her 20s. (laughs) On the eve of her second trial, reason challenges her with whether or not she's prepared for what's to come. They have had a bit of a face-off where Reasoned needles into her about Tamlin, taunting her, about Tamlin's court falling apart. She retorts that his court fell too. And here, it's when she realizes she can feel his sadness through the tattoo he's etched onto her. So this is the first point where she's going, oh, this is some kind of other tattoo. What kind of tattoo is this? She can feel there's some sort of mental bond through it with him. She tries to pry out of him What it is that he's trying to accomplish with all this. And he teases her by quipping that, Feyre, that is the real question, isn't it?
3: What's he doing? What's
4: his angle? What is he doing? But
3: also, he's, like, really hot. Um, That evening is
4: interrupted by an interrogation of a member of Summer Court who was caught trying to escape. Here, Feyre observes just how many games and twisted alliances are really occurring down here, where no one is really able to speak freely. When Amarantha calls upon Reason to peer into a high-faced mind to find out who he's been conspiring with, Reason says that this Fae was acting alone.
3: But was he?
4: Feyre can tell by the reactions of the Summer Court High Lord, and maybe because she's bonded with Reason, that Reason is lying to Amarantha about this. and. Oh this is also where we meet the uh, summer court high lord who is a tall, handsome male with his hairs near white, eyes of crushing crystal blue and skin of richest mahogany.
3: And so. God, they're all hot. Mm-hmm. Every single one of them. They're all young and and thick and hot. Well, they're all technically like 500. But yeah.
4: They're looking tight. They keep it tight.
3: Yeah, and I'm just a young human girl who... I need <laughs> help. I mean, you're a young woman. Oh, yeah. Not a girl.
4: Thick, There's thick no girls. Um,
3: <laughs> uh, summer court's really hot in my brain. Can you tell?
4: Uh, Yeah. I think that that is also... Well, we'll find out more about some summer court. But so basically... Amarantha is trying to get all this information from Reason. She wants Reason to kind of peer into this mind and, like, give away all his secrets. And Reason doesn't. And, and Feyre can tell. Um, while this doesn't necessarily give her a sense of relief about Reason, it seems to give her pause about everyone's intentions down there. Nobody's really playing games on this. It's all superficial, and everything else is like this tangled web of different alliances, and and it's not all just everybody's cool with Amarantha being here. So after
3: it's almost like they're all inside of a cage. Whoa! (laughs) I don't know. I don't think I appreciate that, but I don't think it wasn't that deep of a comment. But thank you for the support. Uh, yeah. Because that's a woman supporting another woman, and I appreciate yeah, that. Yeah, it's
4: true. Women <laughs> supporting women in business. Um, after Reason gives Amarantha this information, she orders him to shatter this high fae who tried to escape's mind. Reason obliges and basically turns his brain into dust, effectively killing him. Amarantha's angry because she wanted Reason to torture the Fey as punishment, and he's killed him too quickly. Reason slickly apologizes, but Pharaoh wonders if this is an intentional quick death for this Fay. As Reason leads Pharaoh to her normal spot for dancing, the crowd whispers "whore," and they're not whispers at her, but at Reasoned. Pharaoh realizes that while Reason holds a high place next to Amarantha, he is also locked into this servitude, and some of his more hideous acts, such as the severed head in the fountain, were at the command of Amarantha. Oh
3: my God! It wasn't him.
4: Maybe it wasn't. It was be- maybe because he had to do it. Maybe. Maybe not. We don't know. The next morning, Feyre's second task arrives. So we're going to just stop here because we
3: have been speaking for a long time. And, and I there's, don't, a, there's a lot of plot to take in there. And you don't want to rush through the last two tasks. No. <laughs>
4: Um, So we're going to pick up next episode with her last two tasks. I don't want to rush to the end of this book. And then we'll continue on in that episode into the second of the series, A Court of Mist and Fury. Oh, my God.
3: Which and then very things thrilled. really get going. Isn't it crazy that all of this happens in the first book and I'm just like, not a lot happens in the first book, but like things get even more interesting as it goes on because it really does. Their it does. Their relationships really extend. You learn a lot more about the world, a lot more about the universe, and I'm so excited
4: to get into I it. I know. I can't wait. <laughs> um, But I love, I love Feyre. This is when I fall in love with her, especially after the worm part. I was just like, oh my God, I'll follow you
3: anywhere, Feyre. Especially after she gets her bath and she's not covered in literal shit anymore. I'll follow you then. We won't
4: won't follow her with Poop on I will follow
3: you after bath. (laughs) Follow you, whatever worm you kill. (laughs) Ooh. And with that, Sister we <laughs>
4: are two sisters. Two sisters talking about fuckbooks.
3: Join us next week, won't you? Yeah. Good Goodbye. Please read through to the end of A Court of Thorns and
4: Roses. And now, dudes grappling with erotica for educational purposes only. Featuring
3: MJ Neffel.
5: Though the horror of Raisin's magic still tore at me, I pushed Tamlin onto the bed, straddling him, pinning him as if it would somehow keep me from leaving, as if it would make time stop entirely. My nightgown had become hitched around my waist, but I didn't care. I hooked my bare legs around his, running my feet down the hard muscles of his calves. With one long claw, he shredded through silk and lace, and my undergarment fell away in pieces. The claw retracted and his kiss deepened as his fingers slid between my legs, coaxing and teasing. I ground against his hand, yielding completely to the writhing wildness that had roared alive inside me and breathed his name onto his skin. He paused again, his fingers retracting, but I grabbed him, pulling him farther on top of me. I wanted him now. I wanted the barriers of our clothing to vanish. I wanted to taste his sweet sweat. I wanted to become full of him. Don't stop, I gasped out. The full force of that wild, unrelenting high lord's power focused solely on me, and I felt the storm contained beneath his skin, so capable of sweeping away everything I was, even in its lessened state. But I could trust him, trust myself, to weather that mighty power. I could throw all that I was at him, and he wouldn't balk. Give me everything, I breathed. "'He lunged, a beast freed of its tether. "'We were a tangle of limbs and teeth, "'and I tore at his clothes until they were on the floor, "'then tore at his skin until I marked him down his back, his arms. "'His claws were out but devastatingly gentle on my hips "'as he slid down between my thighs and feasted on me, "'only stopping after I shuddered and fractured.' I was moaning his name when he sheathed himself inside me with a powerful slow thrust that had me splintering around him. We moved together, unending and wild and burning, and when I went over the edge the next time, he roared and went with me. Jesus Christ.
3: Hey, babies! For more fairy talk and hot touch, join us every week here on LPN Deep Dives Acotar. Available wherever you get your podcasts. This show is made possible by listeners like you. Thanks to our ad sponsors. You can support our shows by supporting them. For more shows like the one you just listened to, go to lastpodcastnetwork.com.
0: Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America.
1: Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or Mc Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day.